The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. There are great athletes, musicians, people in the business world, communicators, and even preachers who begin quite well with lots of promise. But they don't all finish well. Some tragically fall into sin, drugs, scandal, and end up in the ditch, their lives and reputations ruined. So finishing well is extremely important in a believer's life. Towards the end of his life, the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. My question for us today is, how can we be sure to stay on track and finish well? Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. The Apostle Paul wrote in Acts 20, 24, I don't account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And the book of Hebrews in the New Testament declares that we're surrounded by an invisible great cloud of witnesses, believers who've gone on before us. So let's determine to lay aside every encumbrance, every sin that weighs us down and sets us back so that we can run with endurance the race that God himself has individually set before each one of us. The Apostle Paul also admonished us in 1 Corinthians 9 don't you know that in a race only one person receives the prize? So he said, run that you may obtain it. Paul observed that every athlete exercised self-control in all things. And they deny themselves just to receive a perishable prize. But you and I are aiming for an imperishable record and reward. So he said, I keep my body under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul said, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Jesus. Well, in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of people start out in the ministry very powerfully. But then for one reason or another, they've fizzled out or fallen into obscurity because they didn't count the costs that they'd have to pay or the price of persecution. In the New Testament, the Apostle John also admonished us to watch out that we don't lose what we've worked for so that we'll win a full reward. In the Bible, we're admonished to walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing all the time in the knowledge of God. So I pray today for myself and for you as we see the days becoming full of stress and 
apostasy and difficulties, the birth pangs of Messiah, so that we'll be supernaturally strengthened by the Lord with all power, according to his glorious might, for endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of all overcomers who've gone before us and who now dwell safely in light. If we've trusted in the Lord's salvation, we've already been delivered from the domain of darkness and spiritually speaking, we've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. In Jesus, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Paul also gave us a word of encouragement to the Philippian church that I want to share with you today if you're struggling just to keep your head above water in these turbulent times. Paul said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus the Messiah when he comes. The point is, we want to ensure, don't we, that we'll finish well. Recently, we've had a great example. Evangelist Reinhard Bonka held what he called his farewell outreach in Africa. Imagine for 50 years he preached faithfully and systematically throughout Africa, pouring out his soul and strength. And I once had read a thesis about the ministry and the thesis that somebody did surveyed the lives of many evangelists. And the study concluded that the average number of years that an evangelist is able to function well, can you guess? It was only 14 years due to the rigors and the physical and spiritual demands of the office. So I want us to appreciate that it's exemplary when we see men like Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonka staying in the race and not being eliminated for 50 years plus when the average evangelist endures, according to that study, for only about 14 years. Both Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonka married wives who were pillars of strength and that's a very crucial key to any ministry success. You see, this world is a minefield and there are all sorts of pitfalls and temptations that can take us down if we're not extremely careful, diligent, and surrounded by the right people. On the one hand, we are promised protection and God's help, but also we must choose to walk wisely and not to make shipwreck of our faith. So as I watched Reinhard Bonnke in Africa finishing well the race that's been set before him, I asked God with renewed purpose for help to run my own race well and with patience. By the way, Reinhard Bonnke wasn't retiring as people think of retirement. He wasn't preaching for the last time on African soil so he could just put up his feet and live the proverbial life of Riley. No, but he recognized that he no longer had the physical strength to keep traveling and doing the very vigorous field ministry of a mass evangelist. And so he wanted to anoint 
and turned the gospel baton over to his successor. Believe me, nobody can comprehend the strength that it demands to minister to thousands in foreign nations month after month, year after year, until you start to do it yourself. It's one of the most demanding callings in the kingdom of God to minister to ten, tens of thousands, to stay well, to travel, to sleep constantly in different places, to keep moving, and to eat irregularly, as well as believe in the pile of finances that such a ministry entails, to pay for venues, to overcome the red tape, acquire visas, overcome persecutions, and 101 other obstacles. I studied the life of a missionary who lived in another century and who saw multitudes embrace the Lord in Africa, but he ended his life with his organization in disarray. He also fell out with his family and was reportedly, at the end, addicted to morphine. Well, in his day, he had exerted a lot of influence, but the accounts of his life reveal that he didn't end well. So we have always to bear in mind prayerfully that the Lord is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who initiates our work and our calling, and we must obediently follow him from start to finish. You see, the Apostle Paul was extremely conscientious, and he was obsessed with finishing well. As I've already pointed out, Paul compared the vocation of believers as to being in a race. He said in Acts 20, 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So Paul also challenged the Corinthian believers to run the race in such a way as to win the prize, not running aimlessly. And Paul wrote to his protege, Timothy, Having preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Thankfully, in 2 Timothy 4, Paul was able to testify at the end of his ministry, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. But I've fought the good fight. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. And it's always by the grace of God. Henceforth, Paul said, there is laid up for him the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to him on that day. And not only to Paul, but to all who have loved the Lord's appearing to all of those who are eagerly looking forward to the Lord's sudden return. Amen. Think back, if you will, with me to the men and women of God who may have influenced your life. And as you study their lives, ask yourselves, did they finish well? Sadly, not everybody does. This doesn't mean that they lose their salvation. But finishing well will surely bring a greater reward and a greater honor to the Lord. For example, let's consider a man who did finish well, the 
19th century man of faith, George Mueller. After establishing an orphanage in England for more than 2,000 children, he continued to raise all the support for the orphanages, even while traveling, according to reports, of up to 200,000 miles in those days. And he lived to be 93. And the day before he died, he was still handling all of the correspondence of the orphanage and testifying that he felt fit. George Mueller moved to Bristol in England in 1832 to begin working in a chapel there. And he continued preaching until his death, even while devoting himself to his other ministries. Well, believers who by the grace of God are able to finish well are described in Hebrews chapter 12 in verses 1 to 3. Let's look more closely at these marvelous verses. Therefore, since, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are these people? These are the people in our past, of course, Jesus himself, and we don't want to disappoint any of them. They're also my wonderful parents of blessed memory who fell asleep in Jesus and who are safe and secure with him now in the cloud. Many of our mentors have gone on to glory, and we have a network in heaven and on earth, those who have influenced us either in real life or by reading about their lives if they lived in another century. As members of the body of Messiah, we enjoy the communion of the saints. That's what the Apostles' Creed says. Well, this passage goes on to say that, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast away everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. I've read some excellent commentaries this week on these verses, and one I particularly like said that everyone who finishes well has a weight problem. That's right. You may be as skinny as Twiggy or Audrey Hepburn, but we have to shed every weight, meaning every problem and hindrance that will so easily eliminate us and take us down. Stated another way, winners in the race confess their so-called Achilles heels, our weaknesses and besetting sins. We have to repent of them and then continually steer clear of them. So the person who finishes well doesn't stumble over his or her besetting sin, but overcomes this handicap of a besetting sin. So don't make the mistake of looking at somebody who appears to be successful and think that he or she doesn't suffer because we all have this weight problem. We all have our individual crosses to bear. We all have to shed some hindrance. There's not a single one of us who, who is immune from cross-bearing. Now, the second key in verse 2 here of Hebrews 12, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. So the key here to finishing well is to keep focused on the Lord. If we've been hurt, for example, by the church, and that causes you to lose faith in God, then you have to realize your faith was in people and not in the Lord. Because of the fallen nature of people, it's inevitable that they're going to disappoint us. People will betray us, hurt us, reject us, abandon us, use us despitefully. But we have to keep our eyes on the faithful one, on Jesus. We have to learn to lean on him. Because people, if we trust in them, will pull us off track. Again, the language of the runner is used because Paul testified in Philippians chapter 3. Let's turn to that in verses 10 to 15. He says, I want to know the Lord and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which the Messiah Jesus took hold of me. And Paul goes on to say in this passage, this one thing I do, I forget what's behind and I strain toward what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Messiah Jesus. Amen. This week I read an article reminding us that a synonym for this perseverance is discipline. And discipline is training that develops self-control in a disciple. The discipline develops character, orderliness, and efficiency. In a study of hundreds of those who finished well, both in the Bible and throughout church history, two authors that I read about this week discovered that discipline was the key to those who finished well. Perhaps discipline wasn't demonstrated in every area of their lives, of those who finished well, but definitely in some of the most important areas. And even those areas varied. According to the study, some were disciplined in their prayer life and in their Bible study, but not necessarily in their diet. Some were disciplined in their eating and exercise habits, but not in their organization. But each person who finished well had established discipline in important areas, such as devotional studies, keeping up with their correspondence, their partners, language study, and so forth. So let's keep calm and get some discipline in our lives and move forward. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. When we focus on him, we don't become discouraged. 
when bad people seem to be winning. Keeping our eye on Jesus helps us to stay in the race. I've been devastated to learn of men of God who withdrew from the race because the persecution became too severe. But Paul confided to his protege, Timothy, that after all, a worker named Demas had deserted Paul because of the love of this present world. Indeed, many are going to jump into the ministry, perhaps attracted to what they perceive to be glory, without considering the consequences that the ministry is, in fact, a servant ministry. So Paul exhorts us from the pages of the New Testament, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And Jesus warned about dropouts and deserters, those who go AWOL, so to speak. You see, great crowds accompany Jesus. But one day he turned to them, and it's recorded in Luke chapter 14. And he's looking at all these people. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and hate here is a Hebraism for preference, He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate or rather doesn't prefer the Lord above his father, his mother, his wife, children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even if he doesn't hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Because Jesus says, whoever doesn't bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he went on to say, For which one of you desiring to build a tower doesn't first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete the building project? Otherwise, Jesus says, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, but wasn't able to finish. So let's not grow weary in well-doing. For the Bible promises that in due season we shall reap if we don't faint, toss in the towel and give up. You see, without real Bible faith and continual trust in God, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists. And we must believe and rely upon the fact that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. My question today, will we fulfill our ministry? Jesus likened our assignments to talents that He entrusted to His servants. To one servant, He gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another only one talent. Now notice this, the Bible says, to each according to His ability. So we don't have to be jealous because Jesus assesses each one of us and he gives according to ability. And then the parable says Jesus went away. The person who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five more talents, ending up with ten talents. So also the person who had been entrusted with two talents made an additional two talents, ending up with four But notice this, the person who had received the one talent 
said he was afraid. And so he went and dug a hole and hid his master's money. He didn't finish well. And when his master returned, he was rebuked. Jesus said, you wicked and lazy servant, you ought to have at least invested my money with the bankers so that at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So Jesus said, take the talent from him and give it to the person who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is scary. Jesus said, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, these are the verses that people don't preach in services today where they're only emphasizing how to fulfill your dreams. But these verses are realities of true Bible teachings. So the point is, it's better to have only one talent but put it to full use than to have hundreds and wickedly neglect them. I want to leave you with a charge today that Paul made to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's let this be a rhema, enlightened word for myself and for you. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when people will no longer endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. Let's walk in the Lord's power, appropriating all the promises of God. And in the meantime, I invite you to feel free to write to me with any questions or any struggles you're going through so that we can pray and stay in touch through the social media and also in our website, exploits.tv. And at our website, you can subscribe to our free electronic magazine, Exploits, as well as receive our weekly email updates. Also at our website, all of our previous videos are available continuously, as well as an archive of articles on end-time topics, faith, and healing. And now you can download our free Jerusalem Channel app from your favorite app store so that you can watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets at any time. Our app also offers details of our upcoming events in the Holy Land, as well as a daily Bible reading plan. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly 
for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Darig, Maranatha, and Shalom. What an amazing panorama of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. To the east is the Mount of Olives, and beyond that, the Judean wilderness, the Dead Sea, and the nation of Jordan, where presently 600,000 Syrian refugees have escaped. It's hard to imagine that right beyond this horizon, there is a holocaust going on amongst the Christian population of the Middle East. That's why the Jerusalem Channel has been created, to bring you a perspective of biblical events in the Middle East. When you visit our website every day, we have updates on news, prophecy, and what's happening and how it all tells us that Jesus is coming soon to establish His rule in this city. We want to invite you to become a supporter of the Jerusalem Channel. If you give in the United States, please know that your gift is tax deductible. And in the United Kingdom, we can claim gift aid on your donation. And so we invite you to get behind the Jerusalem Channel. There's never been a day like right now. We have so many opportunities to share the gospel in the remaining times of the Gentiles. Israel is rising again and God is visiting this nation. So stay in touch at exploits.tv. I'm Christine Doric. Shalom. <laughs>